happen. The unthinkable. The shift that showed our frailty. Nonetheless, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. We are separated. We are isolated. And in this world, we have trouble. Nonetheless, we take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. We are conflicted and frustrated, weary too. But nonetheless, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. We are down but not out, sidelined but still in the game. We fight for our families, we hold on to love, we strive for kindness, but the hard times get harder. Nonetheless, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We walk through adversity. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We know to whom we belong and we know where our hope lies. For he is the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the one who is and the one who is to come. It looks bleak, they say it's grim, there's a lot to fear, but nonetheless, we are strong. We are courageous. We are the church. Come on, how many are excited to be a part of the church? Come on. The body of Christ. We are overcomers in Christ. Come on, you and me, each and every one of us. Those who are watching online, those in the house, like we're overcomers. In Christ, we can overcome. In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor, whoever's sitting around you, I want you to just say this. I want you to look at him and say, you're an overcomer. Come on, but now I want you to say it like you actually believe it. Come on, look at him and say, you are an overcomer. Come on. You are an overcomer. When I think about what an overcomer is, I go right to the definition. And by definition, overcome is this, is, is to get better to get the better of, to overwhelm, to gain the superiority. I want you to believe this, that God wants you and I to get better in the new year. I believe this, that God wants you and I to have better marriages. He wants us to have better health. He wants us to be better emotionally. He wants us to be better spiritually. He calls us to a place of superiority, not so that we would with pride hold that over others, but so that we would walk confidently as sons and daughters of the king. Come on, do you know he paid the price for your sin so that you could not walk as someone who has been defeated, but so that you could walk as someone who is an overcomer. You're an overcomer. I know sometimes people are like, you know what, Pastor Ryan, seems like you're always talking about how God's calling us to be overcomers. And I think sometimes it's like a prosperity message. Can I just tell you? Gospel, the good news, is a message of prosperity for you and for your life. God did not call us to be weak, to be people who are poor in spirit. No, he called us to be rich in love. He called us to be rich in the goodness of who God is. He called us to be overcomers. I wonder today what you need to overcome. I wonder what today, if you were to be honest with those who are around you and someone was to ask you the question, what is the one thing that you need to overcome? What would that one thing be? What is it in your marriage that you, if you could overcome that one thing, it would change everything else? What is it in your health? If you could overcome that one thing, 
that would change your health? What, what is it in your spiritual life, in your emotional life, that God is saying, listen, I've called you to a place of superiority over that, not a place of defeat. I've called you to be an overcomer. It's interesting to note that every year, the new year unfolds. And as the new year unfolds, something rises up inside of me. And then as the year continues to unfold, I become distracted. And many times I get distracted from the one thing that I knew I was to go after. The one thing that if I would actually apply it in my life, it could change everything else. Like a domino effect. If I could get the first domino to simply fall, the rest of the dominoes would fall. Anyone know what I'm talking about here? But somewhere along the line, we get distracted and the enemy begins to distract us through all the things that are around us. Take the news, for instance. This week, we find ourselves in the midst of the news painting a picture for us that we have no idea what is true and what is not. We see glimpses of the worst of mankind sitting there at the Capitol and we begin to question and we begin to wonder. And many of us, based upon our own ideologies and thoughts, paint a picture upon what we see based upon what we're being told that we have no idea whether that picture is true or not. If your hope is in the things of this world, the governments of this world, the culture around you, you will be disappointed. But if your hope is found in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you will not be disappointed. You can be an overcomer in Christ. So you, if you're sitting here saying, Pastor Brian, is this going to be a pump you up message? Yes, it's going to be a pump you up message. Because I believe God has called us to be overcomers. And this morning, once again, the Lord reminded me in my prayer time how just a simple moment with the master can change everything else. How that if you have been sitting there trying to get into a locked door for a long time, and it seems like you've been shaking at it, you've been trying, you've been looking to everyone else, but it seems like that door is not opening, and some of us have become discouraged because the door that we thought was going to open has not opened the way we thought it was going to, the Lord wants you to be reminded once again that time with the master will change everything because one encounter with him changes everything. One encounter in prayer, one encounter in worship can change everything. Every year we'll develop lists. We'll put goals together. We'll try to develop new habits for the new year. Some would call them New Year's resolutions, though many of us don't like calling them New Year's resolutions. You know why? Because we know that most people do not hold to their New Year's resolutions. So we've come up with other ideas. Well, it's not, I don't, I don't do the whole New Year's resolution thing, but I do want to lose some weight in the new year. That's a New Year's resolution. I don't care what you call it. No, no, no. It's just, it's just, it's a goal of mine. Okay, it's a goal. You can call it whatever you want to call it. A goal, a desire, a, a good thought. But you and I are actually called to be overcomers in the midst of the season. It's interesting to note that stats would tell us this, that many of us have already given up on the goals that we actually created for the new year already. And we're only 10, years, 10 days in. The stats tell us is that 45% of us, so almost half of us, have made some type of a New Year's resolution. In fact, if you've, I don't care what you call it, goal, you've, you've set something 
a target in front of you. New Year's says, if you've done that, would you just real quickly raise your hand? Come on, just raise your hand. It's okay. All right. Many people have done that. The question I would have is why have others not? You might, well, I, I have it all the time. Okay, then let me ask this question. How many of you have goals in your life? Raise your hand. All right. Some of you are like, hey, I've had goals the whole time. It's not a New Year's resolution thing. I just have goals. That's great. God has called us, I believe, to set targets in front of us, and we are called to actually overcome. I went online and was just doing some quick research and just found the top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2021, and here they are. Starts with this, number one, exercise more. Number two, so that would be kind of this idea of overcoming laziness. Second one would be this, lose weight. That would be this idea of overcoming cravings. Get organized is another New Year's resolution for many. That would be overcoming chaos. Another one would be learn a new skill or hobby. That would be overcoming the mundane. Because many of us, were in the mundane. We find ourselves doing the same things. We're not developing new things. We're just like, we're just, we're just kind of following the same patterns. The next uh, is this, is to live life to the fullest, which would be overcoming mediocrity. Another would be save money, spend less money. That's overcoming spending. Quit smoking would be overcoming addictions. Spend more time with family and friends would be overcoming the demands of life. Another resolution for, in many people's lives is I want to travel more. So that would be overcoming time demands. You want to travel more, you got to figure out how to best use your time. Last one is this, is read more. And that would be overcoming excuses. You got to overcome some excuses if you're going to read more. My good friend and I were hanging out. Um, we took a little bit of break and we're down in Florida and hanging out with a group of people uh, that we had actually done life with 10 years, well, actually, 10, yeah, 10 years ago in our life group back in um, Lansing, we developed a strong relationship with a group of friends that were in group together, and that relationship has continued to carry throughout the years, and we all got together, and we were hanging out and just spending time together, and one of them asked me the question, so how many books do you read a year? And as I was sitting down and kind of thinking through it, I began realizing I actually read quite a bit. And uh, I read probably around 40 to 50 books a year. And um, someone asked me who was there, he said, well, why do you read so many books? And I said, because when I'm reading someone else's book, I, begin, I get the benefit of their entire life in a book. Think about it. When someone writes a book... They're giving you their life experience, their knowledge, their hundreds of thousands of hours of study on a subject, and they're putting it into the pages of a book, and we get to actually take that in. I want to challenge you this year to read more. I believe that when we read, we actually grow in our knowledge and understanding. Listen, if you want, like I'm so proud of my son. My son, uh, Gabe, right now, started a company called DFTB. In fact, this is... This is the emblem from his uh, DFTB. It stands for Don't Feed the Beast. And he has been growing so much in his understanding of what it means to actually start a company. And so he's been reading books and listening to podcasts and, and, and buying courses online to find out how to create sales funnels. I mean, you name it, that boy's been learning it. 
And I sit there and I watch him and I say, you know what, I'm so proud of you because what he saw was there's an area in my life that I want to be an overcomer in. And so I know that there are people who have already overcome and I want to learn from those people. I wonder how many of us today If we were just to simply say, you know what, I'm going to this year, I'm going to be more of a reader, could actually overcome some things in our lives. What could happen today if you and I overcame? What could happen in your marriage today if you actually overcame the excuses that you give for why you're not the best spouse? What could happen today if you overcame And you actually put some things in play in your home and stopped using the excuse of one day I would love to have this. Over break, I read a book by Craig Groeschel on marriage. And I was challenged with a thought. And the thought was this. Craig said in his book, he's a pastor out of Oklahoma. He said said this. He said, one of the most important things that my wife Amy and I do is every day we pray together. And I was challenged with that. I don't pray. I pray for Kasha every day, but I don't pray with Kasha every day. I mean, it happens at times, but it's not a normal part of our routine. And he said, every day we pray together. And he said, you know what happens? When you pray with somebody, he said, it's really hard to stay mad at them. He said, when you're praying with that person, he says, something happens every night when we pray together. He says, it doesn't matter how many bad things Amy did throughout the day that made me mad, that brought me to that moment right there. He said, when I take that moment to pray, he's like, there is a realignment that happens in my heart in that moment towards Amy. And he says, we go to bed in a way where he said, things are good, if you know what I mean. And he said, I believe it comes back to praying together. I was challenged by that. I was challenged because I read something, took in the book, took in the information, said, how can I then implement that into my life? What could happen in your attitudes if you actually decided, I'm going to overcome this year? What could happen in your desires, in your workplace, in your relationship with God if today you actually said, I am an overcomer? See, the world is constantly trying to get us to look back to be overwhelmed, to just give up. Oh, that's just how your marriage is gonna be. Oh, that's just who you are. You're always gonna deal with those addictions. You're always gonna gonna be the chubby guy. You're always gonna, I mean, whatever the excuse may be, right? And the worst is, is that the enemy of our soul, Satan, wants to see you and I give up. He wants you to be so focused on the bad circumstances around you that you would just say, you know what? I'm just gonna give up. I can't overcome. I I can't overcome these things. Our mission at Bethany is simple. We're bringing people one step closer to Christ through loving God, loving people, and loving life. But here's the reality. The enemy does not want to see you take any steps in your relationship with God, in your relationship with others, and in relationship with life. The enemy doesn't want you to be an overcomer. He wants you to think that you can't overcome. And the loving life part is something that Jesus spoke a lot about. In John 10.10, he said, The thief comes only to steal and to destroy. I came that they may have life and may have it what? He said abundantly. Come on. 
when we think about being overcomers, what we have to remember is Christ has called us to a life of abundance. Abundance in our finances, abundance in our health, abundance in our marriages. We should be the ones that the world's looking at going, man, I want a marriage like that person. Oh, I want health like that guy over there or that gal over there. Oh, I want, I want a sound mind like that person right there. Oh, I want that type of faith. We should be the ones who are living out in, as overcomers. What does it look like to actually have abundance? Abundance by definition is this, an extremely plentiful or oversufficient quantity or supply, overflowing fullness, affluence, and wealth. Come on, I believe God has called us to have a life that is extremely plentiful, oversufficient, that there's more than enough supply, that we're overflowing in such a way that we're literally able to be a blessing to other people around us. My best friend Charles um, actually flew all of us down to Florida, paid for the house that we were in, paid for our plane tickets, paid for all of our food, not just for Kasha and I and our family, but for the other friends of ours who were all there. He said, you know what? We just want to be a blessing to all of you guys in this season of life. God has blessed us. We want to overflow with generosity. And they put out thousands and thousands of dollars so that we could come together as a group and we spent time praying together and worshiping together. These are the type of people that you want to be around. People who are encouraging you, who are saying, you know, what are your dreams? What are the things that God's put on your heart and on your life? And it was like fuel to the fire of my soul. It was like I'm sitting there around these other dreamers, and I'm sitting there, I did soap with them, and I'm hearing John, who, John is a good friend of mine, and John has a story where he lost his eyesight in his 20s. Can you imagine losing your eyesight in your 20s? But he did not use that as an excuse and say, well, my life's over. He has overcome. He became a counselor, licensed counselor. And then from there, he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to do some financial counseling. He's now doing financial counseling. God is continuing to bless this man's life. Why? Because he said, I'm going to be an overcomer. And I wonder how many of us today believe that God has actually called us to be overcomers. I think God is looking for overcomers in 2021. I believe he's looking for you and I to believe that we can overcome and that there is abundance. Jesus wants our lives to be overflowing with more than life, more than enough, filled with influence, filled with wealth, with health. I know some people are like, see, that's what I'm talking about, Pastor Brian. You're all about health and wealth. Yes. Yes. I am. Does that mean we don't go through hard times? No, absolutely not. Does it mean sometimes we don't have? Yes. Sometimes do we get a bad doctor's report? Yes. Sometimes do things not go according to the plans and the way we thought they should go? Yes. But it doesn't change who God is. The devil wants you to be focused on what you don't have so that you'll forget what you do have. And God has great things in store for us. I know some of you are like, man, we're 10 days in, 10 days into 2020, and we've already had tons of chaos that's unfolded at the Capitol. We got riots happening. You can call it whatever you want to call it. It just feels like, you know, it's funny. There's this, there's this the Holderness family. They do these little videos online and everything, and he did like this video. It's like, 10 days since we came along. Like he's like, does this whole video with the song and he talks about how we're in 2021 and all these things have already happened and we're only a few days in. And Come on. Life happens. But God has called us 
to be overcomers. Can I, can I remind us of something? God is far more interested in our future than he is in our past. I mean, some of us, I, I need to say that again for some of us. God is far more interested in our future than he is in our past. God's not saying, like, oh, well, what happened in 2020? Let's focus in on that. No, God's actually called us to be overcomers. But what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to dwell on our mistakes and our failures. I do this a lot, especially as a husband. I tend to focus on my failures and on the mistakes that I make. And then what happens is I just say, you know what? Jeez, <laughs> what good is it going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm screwed already as it is. I've already, I've already messed up as it is. And so sometimes I just give up, honestly. Sometimes I don't put the energy and effort into it. And so sometimes it's like, you know what? Even the thought of like praying every day with Kasha seems like this simple thing, but my mind already throws out all the excuses as why that's going to be really hard to accomplish that. Well, you guys, you know, like you have things going on and, you know, she's, she's not always like, she, she likes to stay up a little bit later. You like to go to bed earlier. You're kind of like, you're not a night person. She's a night person. And then my mind's like, well, I could do the morning time, but Kasha's still going to be sleeping. You know, like all these reasons, all these excuses that my mind's throwing in there already for something that's as simple as just take time to pray together. And then my mind's like, well, do you have enough time during the day to actually take that time to pray together? Like, you don't really have a whole lot of time. I mean, you've got a lot of things going on, and there's a lot of demands. Your mind's sitting there. This is my mind. It's saying all these dumb excuses. And yet what I have to remember is that the things that I prioritize, the one thing, if, if I say that one thing would change my marriage, why would I not do that one thing? Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, they're, like for me, like, that's one thing. It's like, I know if I did that one thing, it would help my marriage. I have a great marriage. But guess what? I want to have an even greater marriage. I want my marriage with Kasha to be one where we're actually celebrating these things together, where we're remembering it. I don't want to go to bed frustrated. I'd rather go to bed, like, in peace, in harmony. But what happens is, is we're constantly being told to focus on what's happening around us. We have news available to us at an incredible rate, both in quantity and how fast we get it. For many of you this past week, you watched as every news channel. I was literally on a plane flying home and literally on the plane could watch all the news channels and everybody's seat pockets in front of me on the plane all had Fox News, CNN, NF, MSNBC, and blah, 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 MSNBC <laughs> on there, all of them. And everyone's flipping through them. Capital riot unfolding. The Capitol's under attack. I mean, literally, Capitol under attack is what it says across the screen. And everyone's watching. And I'm literally on the plane watching it unfold live. Well, at least watching unfold live the things that they wanted me to see. I mean, that, that's definitely the case. When we focus on negativity, guess what happens and produces in our life? Negativity. But when we push back and say, you know what? No, 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 that's not me. 
When we stop caring what the media says, when we ignore what Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, NPR, ABC News, NBC News, you name it type of news, when we stop letting them feed us and look to what God's word says, then we will be overcomers. Yeah, that'd be a good time to clap. I know I didn't quite get to the moment, but... Four out of five people will not keep a resolution or a goal that they set throughout a year. Only 23% of people actually keep any type of goal this year. Worse is, is that 35% of most people won't even make it past the first year. So what do we do? Well, we spend time in God's word. And when we spend time in God's word, what we do is we see that God actually taught us how to be overcomers. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus being led into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. He spends time in prayer and fasting because he knows that he has been called to be an overcomer. He also knows that he is going to have to overcome some pretty significant things in his life. And so Jesus, before he ever begins his public ministry, spends time praying and fasting. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah, you would be hungry after spending 40 days and 40 nights not eating. It says, And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was Jesus reminding the enemy of? He's an overcomer. The enemy is trying to say, hey, look, just turn this stones into bread. Like, it's going it's to be okay. Like, you can have everything you need right now. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm an overcomer. goes on to say, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. The enemy actually used the words of God to be temptation on him. But Jesus said, now I'm an overcomer. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showered or showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Verse 11, the devil left him and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. A passage of scripture where we see Jesus being an overcomer. And I wonder for us today, what is it that you need to overcome today? What is it today that you need to overcome? 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Maybe today you need to overcome the lust of the flesh. Maybe today you need to overcome the lust of the eyes, or maybe today you need to overcome the pride of life. It's interesting how the enemy continuously uses the same plan of attack over and over again. Can I tell you, his tactics are the same, the way he does it. Don't believe me? We're soaping right now in Genesis. 
And in Genesis, you see the serpent coming to Adam and Eve and tempting them. He tempts them with three temptations. The first is the physical appetite. He says, listen, there's a tree in the garden that has some fruit on it, and I know you're not supposed to eat it, but doesn't it look so good? The physical appetite. Genesis 3, 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? He's like, he didn't, I mean, he didn't really say that, did he? Like, come on, he, what was the enemy doing? The enemy was enticing the physical appetite of Adam and of Eve. In the passage we just read in verse 3, you would see it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. What was he being tempted with? Physical appetite. Jesus himself was tempted with a physical appetite. The second thing is, is we see personal gain. This would be the lust of the eyes. In Genesis account, we see in Genesis 3, 4, it says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Listen, you won't die if you eat of it. Come on, it's going to be okay. There's personal gain. You're going to become like God if you eat of that tree. Matthew 6, or Matthew 4, 6, says, And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. What was it? Personal gain again. The enemy's constantly, think, think about it, physical appetite, He's dealing with them. He's going in. He's saying personal gain. And then he's talking about the power and glory. That's the end part. Genesis 3, 5. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In verses 8 through 9 in Matthew 4, and again the devil took him to the very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and glory, and said, all these I'll give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Power and glory. The pride of life. This week, I want to just real quickly focus in on the physical appetite, the first temptation that we see here. Richard Foster, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, said this, in a culture where the landscape is dotted with shrines to the golden arches and the assortment of pizza, pizza temples, fasting seems out of place, out of step with the times. In fact, fasting has been in general dis, or disrepute both in and outside of the church for many years. I believe what Jesus models for us right off the bat is the importance of fasting. Yes, we're starting a 21-day fast today. So at sundown today, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I'm asking you to participate in that time of prayer and fasting with us. Now, some people are like, you know what? I can't believe you're calling a corporate fast. This is personally between me and God. You can ask God how he wants you to fast. That's fine. I'm just calling us to fast together as a church. I believe that something happens when God's people fast and pray. One person believes it. I believe that when God's people fast and pray, something happens. Amen. Amen. All right, good. <laughs> so what does it look like for us to overcome? What does it look like for us to say, you know what, God, you're enough? Fasting is simply this. It's the spiritual discipline of denying our appetite to focus on God. It's not dieting. You've heard of intermediate fasting. It's kind of like a pretty big thing right now, and there's a lot of health benefits to it. 
People who will intermediate fast. So let's say they only eat during a a selected window of the day. So maybe let's just say from 10 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock at night. That's when they eat. From 6 o'clock till 10 o'clock the next morning, they get their body in a fasted state. And there's benefits to it. I'm not talking about health benefits here. I'm talking about fasting is the spiritual discipline of denying our appetite to focus on God. It's not just for a health benefit. Biblical fasting means more than just abstaining from food. It means to abstain from food in order to concentrate upon God and to get answers to the things that we are needing answers to and how we can be overcomers. See, what true fasting does is it turns our attention off ourselves and on to God. In Matthew chapter 6, a few verses later, we see it being recorded, Jesus' words, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. What, what are we being taught here? Well, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to model fasting first of all for you in Matthew 4. I'm going to show you what it looks like, and I'm going to show you the temptations that the enemy is going to bring at you in the midst of your fast. I can tell you this. Ice cream will look really good in the midst of a fast. There will be things that will be thrown at you, and the enemy will try to get you to go after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Why? Because that's what he does. That's, his, that's the way he tries to overcome. But you and I are greater. There are wrong ways to fast. One of the wrong ways to fast is to do it so that other people will notice it. That's what this whole passage in Matthew 6 is talking about. It's like, don't do it so that you can walk around being like, yeah, I'm fasting. Yeah, look at me. Yep, I, I know. I'm withering away. But I'm doing it for the gospel. No, we don't do it like that. We don't do it so we can be noticed by others. So there's different kinds of fast. I know that many of you know this, but, but I just want to go through them again real quickly. And many times when we're doing a 21-day fast, I'll go through them. Why? Because it's important for us to be reminded of them. The first type of fast is this, is there's a normal fast. This is where a person abstains from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water. And it's usually to prepare for some type of a significant event. I want to challenge you in this season right now to ask the Lord, what kind of fast do I need to do? There's a partial fast. Sometimes people entered into a partial restriction of a diet, not total um, abstinence of it. This would probably be where you, like your Daniel fast would come in. I am actually, throughout the 21 days, am going to do a Daniel fast. That means I'm going to just do fruits and vegetables. No meat. I know my good friend Brian Penny, he's like, oh man, like that's all he eats is meat. I'm not eating any meat. Just doing fruits and veggies. Why? Well, when we look at Daniel's account, we actually see Daniel actually ate fruits and veggies and actually abstained from the kings or the, you know, yeah, the king during that time, his choice meats and all that. And at the end of it, they looked at everyone and said, who kind of looks the best? And they said it was the dudes who ate the fruits and veggies, not the guys who ate the meat. I know that's contrary to what some people believe. Sorry, Brian. Uh, But that's a biblical mandate that's in there. So for me, I'm looking at going, okay, I'm going to do a Daniel fast during this time. So it's a partial fast. 
Some would do an absolute fast. Now, an absolute fast is, is done during a relatively very short and urgent time period. And this would be a time where you would say, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take in any water, any food. I had a quick conversation with Amanda this morning. I was like, oh, I wonder if Jesus did like an absolute fast. And then you kind of look at it and go, even though it doesn't say that Jesus drank water, the temptation that the enemy used, what Satan used against Jesus in that account in Matthew 4, was not, hey, bro, here's a big glass of water. He said, hey, bro, here's some food. Here's a loaf of bread. If Jesus had been fasting water as well, the thing that the enemy would have said is he would have said, hey, listen, I got a big Coke and a big hamburger right here. He would have gone after both. Do you see what I'm saying there? So there's these different types of fasts. I want to encourage you right now to actually say, hey, I want to be a part of this. Now there's private fasting and there's corporate fasting. We're calling a time of corporate fasting together. We're saying, hey, what could happen if God's people all spent time fasting together the next 21 days. I think what could happen is, is we could see God do some amazing things. There's a right and a wrong way to fast. Jesus tells us, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. If you think that fasting is so other people can notice it, so you can be like, yeah, check that box, I'm fasting. That's the wrong reason to fast. Fasting I believe, can actually give you the ability to be the overcomer that God has called you to be. It's like, it's like spiritual fuel to the gas tank of your life. Fasting in the wrong way actually has consequences. John Piper in his book, A Hunger for God, comments this, if the reward you aim at in fasting is the admiration of others, that is what you'll get. That will be all you'll get. In other words, the danger of hypocrisy is, is that it's so successful, it aims at the praise of men and it succeeds, but that's all. I believe God's called us to something more than that. So the next 21 days, I'm calling a corporate fast. I'm asking for you to privately seek God and say, God, what would you want me to do in this time of fasting? What is it that you would want me to give up in this season right now? When, when you fast for, for the applause of others, someone said it this way. They said, it's like drinking decaf coffee. <laughs> Which decaf coffee, we all know, won't wake you up, won't shake you up, and won't take you up. There's a reason why coffee has caffeine in it. For some of us, maybe the thing we need to give up during the fast is actually coffee. Energy drinks. Starbucks runs, Big B runs, donuts, you name it. What's your, what's your morning routine that you could give up in the morning and say, I'm going to actually put focus on the Lord this morning? Where we would actually, when we fast, anoint our head and wash our face so that our fasting may not be seen by others, but by our Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward us. Remember, Jesus says, when you fast, when we fast, then our Father who is in secret will reward us. If we seek God's presence, not his presence, I believe that this 21 days of prayer and fasting has the ability for us to be overcomers regardless of what 2021 looks like.
I believe you're called to be an overcomer. In your marriage, an overcomer. In your health, an overcomer. In your emotional state of being, an overcomer. And an overcomer does not look at what's happening in culture around them and react to that. An overcomer says, this is who God's called me to be, and therefore I will be who God has called me to be. You are an overcomer. So we must humble ourselves, we must submit, and we must resist. How do we do it? We humble, we submit, and we resist. We need to believe God for big things in 2021. When we were talking as a team, we were talking about the idea of what 2021 has and one of the big things that has been coming up is we really believe that God has some incredible things for 2021. Some of you would say, you know what? I thought you said that about 2020. I did say that about 2020. Well, Pastor Brian, then tell me about it. What, what happened? What, you mean the fact that Bethany actually received a donation of over $3 million when someone gave a building to our church to reach a community for Christ? Are you talking about that $3 million gift in 2020? That, that's a pretty big deal in 2020. And I know some of you are like, I know, I still don't even know a whole lot about it. Yeah, you know why? Because 2020 happened. <laughs> and so there's still things that are processing through for 2020. But can I just remind you, God is still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, we are overcomers. Jesus overcame the busyness of culture by spending many nights in prayer in order to do what? To enjoy an intimate relationship with his Father. Jesus overcame the busy seasons of life by what? By resting when he was tired. And when he woke up, he was in the midst of a storm and the disciples are freaking out because Jesus had been sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Why? Because Jesus said, you know what? The circumstances that are going around me do not concern the purpose to what I've been called to. He rested. Jesus overcame the demands of the crowds that are around him long enough to actually recognize when a woman came up to him timid just to grab the hem of his garment, believing that she could be healed from the issue of blood that she was facing. Jesus overcame in the Garden of Gethsemane when he understood that it was not his will but the will of the Father that he was being called to. Jesus overcame long enough to fulfill all of God's will so that in the end he could say, it is finished. In the midst of this season, in the midst of these moments, God has called you and I to be overcomers. 2021 is a year where I believe we will overcome. I don't know what your one word is. I just got mine this morning. But I know this, that God has always called me to be an overcomer. That my life is not dictated by my circumstances, by the media around me, the narratives of what's happening. My life is not based upon who's in the presidential place or not. It does not matter. President is not my God. The government is not my provider. God is my provider. And I am an overcomer. My question is, is do you believe you are an overcomer? You, do you believe that today God has called you to be an overcomer. Whether you're in the house, whether you're at home, wherever you're watching from, you're watching later, I believe God has called us to be overcomers. So how do we do it? I close with this. Matthew 6, 33. 
but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What does it say? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Today, we are called to be overcomers. Next week, we're going to unpack again, what does it look like to overcome? What does it look like for us to overcome the things in our lives? What does it look like to overcome the lust of the eyes? The next week, we'll be talking about what does it look like to overcome the pride of life? What does it look like for you and I to be overcomers? I believe it starts with us seeking his face and seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word you put on my heart today. I thank you that you've called us to be overcomers. I thank you, God, that you've called us to a time of prayer and fasting together. And I believe this, that you want to open up the floodgates of heaven upon your people. God, that you have so many good things to pour out upon your people. And it is not based upon the circumstances of life. Even in the midst of difficult circumstances, you still are a provider. You still are king. You still are Lord. You still have everything we need. So Father, I pray that you would help us to be overcomers. Help us today. God, these next 21 days, help us to put our focus directly on you, to believe that you are enough. In Jesus' name, amen.